0: What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. This is the Sports Ethos Grizzlies Podcast. I'm your host, David Williams. I have the entire crew. We got Candace. We got Isaac. And we got gross mismanagement of the eight-man rotation by Taylor Jenkins. Shout out to the Kings. The Grizzlies, first off, should have never been in this game. Final score 103-94. Grizzlies fall to 18 and 29. But the Grizzlies were in this game with three minutes and 43 seconds. uh, Jaron Jackson, Jr. rushed a three off balance, looked awful, gets a loose ball foul to pick up his fifth foul. Taylor Jenkins pulls him out of the game game. for God knows why. I am – I'm not going to make excuses. I'm not even going to say he – Jenkins in the postgame presser says, oh, well, you know, I should have called a timeout and got him back in the game. Just leave him in. He gets six. He gets six for a reason. The Grizzlies go on the for the the minute and 40 seconds that Jaron was out of the game, or minute and 41 seconds that Jaron was out of the game. The Grizzlies go down six points, and it was just any, any chance, any hope, anything at all that the Grizzlies had to win this game was lost. I'm not mad at the loss. They they shouldn't have been in the game with this team anyway. This is a playoff team. But I just – I can't – the people that are on Taylor Jenkins Island, I'm, I hope your beer is always flat and your soda is always just carbonated water, bro. Like – it, it it's stupid you you cannot watch the decisions that this dude makes and tell me that he's a coach that's going to get this team over the hump you're just not going to convince me of it he does not have it i felt this way for a long time but little stuff like this is exactly the 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 thing when you're in crunch time of a big game He's going to revert to this. He's been doing this. This is not new from Taylor Jenkins. We've watched this since he's been here. Jaron Jackson will pick up his fifth foul, and he's fouled out of the game. Taylor Jenkins will leave him out of the game way longer than he needs to, and this team will lose. Obviously, wins and losses don't matter in this season. We got to see some good stuff from guys. Matthew Hurt earned himself a 10-day contract for playing well in the G League. And he did play well tonight, three for six from the field, knocked down a couple threes. So we got some positive things that we can talk about. But, uh, Candace,
1: can you defend Taylor Jenkins? You got anything that's going to change my mind? No, I don't have anything that's going to change your mind. I will give him this. There's a flip side to it. The Grizzlies should not have been in this game, right? Like you said, you can give him credit for getting these guys ready to play, consistently and competitively against some of the best really some of the best of the best even when they don't have literally anybody when they barely when they have to scrounge together bodies to put together a team you can give him credit for that taylor taylor jenkins is a good not great coach he continues to show you the things that he's good at which i've always said is sort of these type of underdog situations motivating guys Getting guys to play to their best, um, getting guys to build build chemistry, build culture, he can do those things well. But the little details that it takes to get over the top, if you are a Taylor Jenkins defender, must admit that this is not we're not these are not new criticisms. Whether we were healthy or not, lineup changes, um, and really that's ruined really his biggest biggest. Issues, line line of changes and feel for the game, are his two biggest criticisms and the two biggest reasons why. I, I I agree with you, David. Like he's he's not the guy to get them over the top. You can argue that Taylor Jenkins is not a that, that Taylor Jenkins is a good coach, and you have a case. It's not a question about is he a good coach in my mind. The question is is he the guy, and I think clearly whether you're in dire situations with no man rotations or you are having a healthy squad the same trends continue so i get people say you need the talent absolutely he's doing a lot with a little and that's what he does well but there are certain guys who just do certain things well and not every coach is meant to take you over the mountaintop so 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 i can't help you david uh, on that point, but Blake. I will give people who want to defend Taylor Jenkins, you know, some credit here. No one's saying a guy's a. I, I'm not saying that he's a bad coach. Um, I just think people maybe have lower standards than what they should long term.
0: I, I think that that's really like that final sentence that you just said. That's really what it boils down to, right? If you as a fan are happy with this team getting first and second round exits and just being a competitive team year in and year out, then Taylor Jenkins is your man. Keep keep him here long term. Because with this roster, like, he's going to keep them competitive. But if you want to win championship or championships more than one, you're going to have to get somebody else. Because the little details, the, the mistakes like, leaving Jaron Jackson, pulling him out of the game when he's got five fouls or 343 to go in a game, little stuff like that is going to be the difference between you getting to the finals and or winning the finals. So, Isaac, for you as a fan, I think that across the board on the show that we are all – we want to win championships, Right. Is that where you're at with it? And if that is no, the case
2: percent I mean, that's that's the ultimate goal. That's the goal that everybody should have. That's why we play the game, or why they play the game.
0: Yeah. So like so Taylor Jenkins, you, you you on board, he's not the one to get them there.
2: I, I, I don't think so. Um and Candace hit on a couple great points. It's it's almost like he, his biggest positive is probably when the team is shorthanded and they don't have their main guys, that's when he does a better coaching job, when they have a full roster. I mean, he has a lot of flaws, even tonight, even with the short roster. We talk about fouling Jaron out. We've seen that time and time again, and it's even more egregious tonight to me because you only have eight guys, and he's by far your best player that you have. It's not even close. Nobody else even in the stratosphere uh, of being on his level that you have on the roster right now and you're in a close game, a game that you have an opportunity to win, and you have no business being in that position at that time, and you're going to take him out with a little bit over three minutes to go. Like, what what are you doing? Are you trying to save that foul? You think he's going to get a six on, on Thursday night when they play Cleveland? Like, I just doesn't make any sense. And then after the game, he was asked about it. Uh, Sean Coleman, a uh, good friend of the show, uh, asked him about – about that particular situation. He said he should have called a timeout and got him back in the game sooner. He should have never left the game. Like you and I, I see excuses on Twitter for people that defend Taylor Jenkins about Jared being gassed and, and stuff like that. I mean, there, there is no gassed in, gas in that situation. You got eight players. I mean, he only he only played like 32 minutes. I mean, you just – you have to play through it. Um, I mean, he plays 34, 35 minutes at different times in other games. It's not like he was – at 40 minutes or something crazy like that. And then being shorthanded like this, it just doesn't make any sense. I just think when it comes to making those crucial game time decisions, uh game flow, uh lineup situations, I think when you get into the playoffs and you get against these really good teams and good coaches, they're gonna outcoach you when, when you're doing stuff like that. It just that is, that is what it is, and I don't see him being the decision maker that can get them all the way to the promised land. I I just don't see it from him. Um, And it's not – he's not a terrible coach. There are things he does well. Like I said, he does a good job of somehow motivating these shorthanded teams to come out and still continue to play hard because a lot of teams in this situation, they would just quit. So I have to give him credit for somehow keeping these guys motivated and playing against really good teams in games they have no big – because they shouldn't be beating anybody, honestly, really, with the team that they have right now and kind of the stuff they've been through you wouldn't expect them to beat anybody, and they've still been winning games at a pretty decent clip, which is crazy to watch. But when when it comes to Taylor Jenkins, you talk about the two seed. People always bring up the two seed two years in a row. Yes, Taylor Jenkins can get you to the playoffs. They can, he can get you a good regular season record. I mean, we've seen him finish second in the West two years in a row, but I think a lot of that just has to do with tremendous talent. And they, we've seen coaches that aren't great win championships, but it's, you have to have – just an absolute loaded roster. And the Grizzlies don't have that. They have a lot of talent on this roster, but I don't think they're so far, even when healthy, I don't think they're so far superior versus the rest of the league to where they can overcome that with, with Taylor Jenkins uh being the coach. So the answer to that question is, is no. I, I I hope he proves me wrong. But right now, I when this team, if they ever, when they get to their finish, whatever the finish product is, when the roster Is pretty much done. They have all the guys locked in, and you feel like they're the championship team. I I don't feel like Taylor Jenkins, if they ever get there, I don't feel like he's going to be the guy on the bench when it happens.
0: Yeah, I'm completely out on the he was gassed argument. You're just making excuses. The Grizzlies have played 47 games this year. Jaron Jackson has played higher minute totals in 23 of those games, oh. he, he's played more minutes than he played tonight in twenty three of those games. Was he tired at the end of those games? I'm sure he was, but if tired. you think
2: other guys weren't tired on the team? Yeah. <laughs>
0: right. If you're playing to win, if you're a competitive person, yeah, and playing. and he is, Jaron Jackson is that there's you know there's talks about is he does he have enough dog in him da? Like he's a competitive dude. You can find it. You know, in, in games like this, when it's close, especially if if I'm playing against the team that I'm supposed to lose to, and we're in the game, you are going to have to take me <laughs> off that court on a stretcher, bro. Like I am <laughs> not leaving that floor, and, and I'm sure that Jaron Jackson is the same way. So I don't like. There's not a single excuse that any Taylor Jenkins defender is going to make that I'm trying to hear over that. It, it's just it's inexcusable. And if this had been the first time, maybe I'm listening to, to excuses, listening to excuses, but no, nah, n- not tonight. I, I don't want to hear it. And, and, again, I going back uh, a couple weeks ago, whenever this roster was just severely depleted, I said I'm not really hanging in on, on wins and losses. I want to see three things. And some of those three things, two of those three things happened tonight. Uh, Vince Williams w- was out to, uh, for, for knee soreness. I think that's just kind of a <laughs> minutes management thing. Yeah. I'm sure that he will be back. I hope he will be. And if he's not, the Grizzlies got to do something about the trainers, man. Like, yeah. they're, the the list of injuries is just ridiculous. If this is true knee injury for Vince Williams, they have really, 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 really got to go. They got to reach somewhere outside of Memphis and bring somebody in that, that is going to – make sure that this team is stretching and doing the things that they're doing in order to stay healthy because you can get a free personal pan pizza from Pizza Hut if you can read the full Grizzlies injury report man. It, it's insane
2: I, I think I think it's exactly what what you said it was because Taylor Jenkins was asked about Vince Williams Jr. and Luke um uh, I don't know if there was a shoot around a day or prior to the game tonight and he had like specific times like he was like, oh well Vince will be back on. Thursday, and we expect Luke back by the weekend, or something like that. I think these are just oh yeah, that never managing, managing uh soft tanking type type deals, getting guys off their feet, like we're not gonna super push it, so we're just gonna get these guys rest. I think that's exactly what you're seeing because this stuff like Zaire Williams hand soreness, like I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's it ridiculous, man. Candace, don't do it, Candace. Uh. Yeah, it's not even it's not even a shoe hand. Like I'm like, like, what what are you talking
0: about, man?
1: And Ooh, Candace know is man, just
0: you, killing my man out there. She said, "Throwing up all those bricks." With yeah, me, that's dude. all that. <laughs> I was like, "Ah,
1: that's what happened, man." Throwing up all them bricks, man. <laughs> Hurt your hands. Not easy. It's yeah, not easy. Don't be
0: d- just rough on him. I hate it. <laughs> so, so let's go to the positives tonight. I'll dive a five of fourteen from the field, five of eight from three, made his only free throw attempt, seven rebounds, sixteen points. And it really didn't feel like he was that efficient, man. Like, it didn't. I, I say go to the positives, but that's not, you know, five of 14, you would hope for better. But, you know, five of eight from three is actually pretty solid. But it sure felt like he chucked more than eight threes tonight. And, and maybe it was just like the three that he missed was bad timing. I don't know what it was. Uh, Xavier Tillman comes out. Man. I feel like any time that Tillman plays and he plays big minutes, you can gas him up because he always seems to – he he always seems to produce. And I have a a conversation that I want to have there about him. We'll we'll go back to him in a minute. Scottie Pippen, Jr., 30 minutes, three for eight from the field, two for four from three. He's killing me from the free throw line, four for seven, five assists, three turnovers. You want to see him clean that up. But uh, just – these young guys that would not be getting a run, that would not be playing at this level right now, are coming out and they're doing well. Like the, the Gilliard, you know, he, he's a guy that has played way more minutes than anybody expected him to play on that two way contract this year. He only played 16 minutes tonight. He was a plus four off the bench, the, the best plus minus on the team in the 16 minutes that he played, even though that he. he he didn't have a massive line, three points and five assists, but I think the big thing, the big reason that he was a uh, a plus is he didn't turn the ball over. Um, let's go, let's go here. I'm, I'm I'm running through all these stats here. Let's talk about Matt Hurt. Uh, I, Isaac had been kind of talking about him and what he was doing in the G League. Isaac and I actually talked about uh, Matthew Hurt. During his draft and, you know, some of the, the downfalls that he had, some of the the pitfalls, he's six foot nine, but he's kind of a an in-between, like he's not big enough to play the the four, like not strong enough at this point to really play the four, but he's not fast enough to play the three, but he's been absolutely torching them in the G League. Uh Just the other day, I saw he, he was leading the G League in scoring, I think it was 25.2 points per game or something of that nature. And because of that play, we see him get this 10-day contract. Isaac, what did you think about this uh, this first game from Hurt?
2: Yeah, man, I've I've been talking about Matthew for a couple of months that, that that he needed to get this opportunity. I've I've been following him ever since high school back when I was covering recruiting for for University of Memphis with Tiger Sports Report. Um, and Memphis was recruiting him heavy. He ended up at Duke, and we talked a lot about him in our pre uh, our pre-draft stuff that year. Uh, the Question with him was definitely definitely foot speed. Uh, but, I mean, I said I said this a couple of weeks ago. I was like, if, if he's putting up the kind of numbers that he's putting up uh, with the hustle consistently, if this guy can't, if he's not capable of, of playing in the league, then they need to shut the G League down. Because, I mean, if you go back, you look at some of these box scores, man, he's putting up video game numbers. I'm saying it's like 35 points, 8 out of 11 from 3, 13 rebounds, 5 blocks four steals i'm saying he is just absolutely killing it down there um he's the leading scorer in the G League right now and the grizzlies had an opportunity tonight probably wouldn't have happened uh they needed an extra player because they they would have literally had to forfeit uh tonight if they didn't pick him up you have to have at least eight players uh to play an nba game so they had to find another body so i'm glad he got this opportunity and he he took full advantage of it uh tonight i mean you saw him coming out aggressive he wasn't passive at all like a lot of times guys in that situation come out and try to defer. and He was putting it up and he was calling for the ball. He was looking uh, for the shot Uh, at times when the point guard was bringing the ball up the floor. He's trying to get to the spot and asking for the basketball. And I think he's an NBA player. man. I I know the foot speed. That's going to be a question mark of of who can he guard. But one thing about him is he's not one of those guys that can't guard and just doesn't try to guard. Like, he tries to do stuff. He's kind of like Luke Kennard. He tries to out there, he doesn't just don't try at all, just let guy go past him. He at least gives an attempt. And I thought he had some pretty good uh defensive stands tonight. Um, had one, I think it was well, there was De'Aaron Fox and Malik Monk, where they end up calling a foul, I think it should have been a jump ball, uh, right on right the basket. I thought he did a good job there and he knocked down his first two threes, shooting for him weird as hell. Uh, very similar to Nikola Jokic, um, <laughs> shooting just that weird slingshot type three point shot, man. But it, it works. Um, So he's on the 10-day. Hopefully that he continues to show what he showed tonight. If they give him minutes and he continues to play like that, um, I think maybe when Gilly's uh, time runs out, they take him off the two-way and put him, put Matthew Hurt on the two-way for the rest of the year because I think he deserves it. Like I said, he's been putting up monster numbers down in in the G League, and he came out, man, first time out tonight, and I think was a big positive for this team. Like you talk about Gilly being a plus four, he's the only other – positive plus minus guy plus two in the game tonight um in the game they lose by nine points so they had him also had him in late in the game so i i think i think he did a really good job man for his first time out but i i thought that he could do this man with the numbers that he's putting up and like i said it's not just shooting or or scoring i down there i mean he was doing things on the defensive end like i said getting steals blocks and he also rebounds um i, I think it's a positive for him so i think i think he's a guy that can can be somewhere on, on this bench on this team, man. Hopefully he gets that opportunity because I'm i I'm a big fan of his.
0: Yeah. I could, uh, I can name a couple guys that they could move off the roster to, uh, to yeah. find a spot for him. Yeah.
2: He's about three guys <laughs> that he's better than I can, I, I can say that right now, but
1: I,
0: I won't go down that list, but, but Candace, for our first real look at, at Matthew Heard in the NBA level. What did you think about his performance tonight?
1: Yeah, I thought it was solid. I really did. I I, I, I agree with everything Isaac said. I know, I've just been talking about him for a minute. Um, and then given the situation for the roster, man, I mean, they don't have a choice but to try to shoot threes. They're so small. Uh, so y- y- you got to get some, like, some efficient three-point shooting in there. I'll take him over Jake LaRavia all day. I've seen enough. Doesn't take long, doesn't take much to meet that bar, in my opinion. So, uh, like you said, we, we it's guys that take him over all day, uh, you know, limited opportunity. Sure. He won't have it. May not be hot from, you know, from from three or from the line, like the way he was all night, but you like the effort he brings. And I think he just fit in with the team. You know, he wasn't, didn't do anything to be a liability, which I think is a big deal when you're playing against, you know, these competitive games, just guys that come in and don't mess stuff up is don't mess stuff up and can knock down a shot. It is far more valuable than I think people give it credit for, and so shout out to him getting the opportunity and and showing up when called called upon.
0: Yeah, I think he's a guy that's going to bring you pretty high percentage from three. Like, you know, like he he's shooting just an absurd. He's shooting fifty one percent on seven attempts in the G League this year. I, I don't think that that is sustainable. I think that's just yeah. like that's astronomical, but. I think that he's going to be a high 30%, 38, 39, maybe even 40% three point shooter. Yeah. And I think that's something that he can do on a regular basis. And Isaac was talking about the the funky shot releases for him. Just, it's because of the way he shoots, it's going to be really hard to block yeah. that shot as it, well. It makes
2: it hard to guard. It, yeah. it does as weird as that is. You know, he, gonna, he's 6'9. He, Go ahead, man. I was going to say, I, I think he is. Could be what they wanted Jake Laravia to be.
0: I, I think he can.
2: I think he can be that. I, I really do.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, what? we're only one game into it. That there's probably going to be some ups and downs through this ten day, but I think that you're going to see him get plenty of run just because of the state of where the roster is. You know, even you get that uh, they play again uh, was is the Thursday. Cavs. Cavs is the next game yeah. Thursday night at home. It was supposed uh, to be a nine
2: o'clock tip when it was on TNT, and they they took it off, they flexed it off TNT. Now it's a seven o'clock tip, but that was going to be weird to have a nine o'clock tip in in the Central Times Zone in Memphis.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm okay with that, man. I'm going to that <laughs> game. I was like, I'll I'll go to the nine o'clock tip, but I'm hoping that that's not going to be the case. So, uh, you know, it, it's. You you look for the positive that 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 is what I said I was going to do moving forward and I led the show off kind of dumping on Jenkins, but stuff like that just drives me insane. Jaron continues to, you know, he, he was not efficient tonight. Oh for four from three, six of eighteen from the field, twenty two points, three rebounds, two assists. He didn't get any defensive stats, which is a rarity for Jaron, but. There was the uh, behind-the-back crossovers to the oh, dunk. Man. Nasty. That, <laughs> that, that is the stuff that you're going to see from him. If these teams – if you have Rudy Gobert guarding him on the perimeter, Jaron's going to break him down off the dribble. If you have a traditional big it's trying to guard him on the perimeter, there. it's going to be barbecue <laughs> chicken. If you have a smaller guy trying to guard him in the post – Throw it to the hand, and that that is something we have specifically over these last couple of weeks. I feel like we have watched his post game evolve into something that that hasn't been there before. And I'm, I may be wrong on that. I may maybe it was there before, and I just wasn't giving him enough credit. But do you, Candice? What do you? What are your thoughts on that? Do you feel like Jaron's post game has elevated over these last few weeks, or am I just seeing stuff?
1: I think he's fine-tuning it. I think we're seeing it more frequently for one. So I think that's a big deal just because, you know, we've talked about before he did not even get the opportunity. So I think just by him getting the reps, it's fine-tuning. I think he, he's gone through stretches, in my opinion. Like last year, he had this really dominant stretch where I feel like we really saw his game sort of elevate already. I think we're seeing little nuances being added, tweaks and stuff. I'd say that I wouldn't go as far as far as to say it's elevated, especially because he is struggling with the efficiency part and the finishing party still tends to go away from the basket. Uh, shout out, Dez. I was talking so talking about this. Yeah, yeah i you know, about that. In a
2: second.
1: <laughs> yeah, like I was trying to figure out like why can't some of these shots go in, man? Because I I mean, it seems like he's got the space to to to, make, to get the shot down and just doesn't seem to. But but Dads made a great point uh, on Twitter basically saying, you know, he he goes away from the basket a lot of times, yep. so just the momentum doesn't work in his favor, that's still a big deal. I think if he fixed that, then I would say, yes, we've seen a clear elevation in his post game. but I think some of the things that we are seeing is maybe more fine-tuning with ball handling. He is, you know, getting a move or two, getting more comfortable, um, going, you know, spinning, those kind of things, uh, small stuff, but it all adds up together. So you take anything that you there's definitely growth, but I I it's I can't quite call it the elevation given the struggle with efficiency.
2: I was gonna say J- Jaron could be a 30-point per game score easily. Yeah, if, because he can get to the back, he gets he can get to the basket anytime he wants to. Like right. nobody can really stop him. I mean, he's getting to the basket against bigger guys, bigger big, smaller bigs. Any he can get to the basket, he just misses a lot of those bunnies. And the reason why it is, and like Candace said, Dan's has talked a lot lot about this. I've talked a lot about this as well. His balance, man, he has to get stronger with his core because it's like when he gets to the basket, all of his momentum is like going away from the basket. Like It's like he's kind of shying away from the contact. And when guys really bump him in there, he has a hard time finishing. It's weird because sometimes he has these games where he makes all of them. And you're like, like a lot of times he misses these, like how is he making them all the night? I don't know what it is. And sometimes he makes a lot of them and then he has these games where he gets there consistently, but he can't, he can't put them down. If he could make those three or four more of those, he's a 30 point per game score um, easily. Cause like I said, they can't stop from getting there. He just needs to, I think it's core strength and balance yeah. that he has to work on because he has the handle and the speed and the step and everything to get there. He just has to get stronger to be able to finish in there tonight and, he just had what well, tonight was one of those nights where he he really struggled. And like you said, still had uh, twenty two points. Was he able to get to the free throw line ten or twelve? Yeah. David should, should like that, uh, ten or twelve from the line tonight for for trip. But yeah, I just think it's about getting stronger because the the moves are there. Like mm-hmm. the the getting into the paint, there's no question he can do that, man. He just got to get better at finishing. Yep.
0: Yeah, I think the the thing that you know. We're talking about his his post game and and that getting better. And I've mentioned this before, but the, the assist for me, his his ability to pass the ball out of the post and just in general to find guys, we, we've watched that. He he's averaging on his career one point two assists per game. He's been north of that twenty six times this year. Saint Andrew's has a lot to do with that. Yeah, that that is. The big men that are dominant, you know, the Joel and B, Nikola Jokic, those guys, they're so dominant because not only can they get the ball and do whatever they want as far as getting their self a bucket, if you try to double or triple team them, they're going to torch you by hitting the open man, and we're starting – I, I'm not trying to say that Jaron is at that level yet. He's got some work to do, but the fact that we're seeing those assist numbers start to creep up going back to the the Phoenix game in early January, he had six assists and he had five against golden state, five against Chicago and five against Toronto. And all of those games are in January, the seventh, the 15th, the 20th and the 22nd. He's been five or more assists. And I think that you're going to continue to see that number go up for him throughout the season. I don't know that he's going to be a guy that's going to consistently get you five or six assists a game, but it wouldn't surprise me to see him averaging upper threes, mid fours over the course of a season as he continues to evolve that part of his game. And it's just making him that much better when he gets the rest of the weapons that are supposed to be around him. You look at those, Oops. you know, three, four, five assists. That that number goes up whenever he's kicking it out to Desmond Bain instead of, you know, uh, X in the corner,
1: mm-hmm. or you know, you know, any
0: one of these G League guys. It, it's just a, a constant evolution from him, and I, I'm I'm happy for one to see it. I think that right now he is an undervalued big man for this team.
1: Yeah, ab- absolutely, and and uh, you know I people people have mixed reviews about Santi. I, I I like Santi a lot, and he's got a lot of flaws in his game. I think he had a pretty good game, especially five for eight from three. You take that all day from him. Um, not as efficient from the floor, but again, he sort of has an issue with Jaron, where for him, I think it is just a matter of strength for Aldama, just like not being able to finish sometimes over contact more than it is a balance issue. Like I think it is with Jaron. Um, either way, we got to get our big guys to finish that way. But I do think Sonny does a better job of rebounding more consistently than Jaron does. So, uh, yeah, seven rebounds tonight. Uh, you definitely take all you can get, uh, considering the monster that they were going up against. And Sabonis, who had 26 rebounds. Man, uh, it's crazy, video game stuff. Uh, but anyway, um, shout out Dude, to Sonny. Dude, I rebounded the Grizzlies people. all by himself. <laughs> <Yeah. You're> right. <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot, people, a lot of people give a – Santi, you know, a lot of a lot of crap. But honestly, realistically, um, not everybody's going to be a defensive guy. I think you just need some guys to play their role. I said it about Luke. said the same thing about Santi. Is he frustrating to watch sometimes? Yes. But he is their leading scorer off the bench at this point, And I think that he's a guy that, yeah, he's going to have some bad stretches sometimes. He's not made for the bright light to the big moments. But I think in terms of having a regular season rotation guy – I think he's a I think he's a keeper. Um uh, some people kind of want him to bent beep in sometimes. And I'm like, I mean, who's giving them <laughs> who's who you who you putting them ahead of at this point? Like I, I don't see anybody else who you're gonna play instead of Santi Adama, especially as short as they are on big men. Um so shout out to him tonight. I think he did a pretty good job. Um, yeah, he can look off some of the younger guys. Um it's irritating, but you know, hey, he was hitting them tonight. So shout out Santi.
2: Yeah, I think something is a blessing and a curse. Like David, yeah. kind of hinted on it earlier that even though you look, he was like five or eight from three. It still, at times, feels like he's not playing well, and a lot of it has to do with he is soft defensively. There are times yeah. where he gives up a lot of easy baskets on on the, the, the defensive end. Yeah. Um, he also, like you said, looks off guys at times. There are times where he has some makes some boneheaded decisions like he'll come down and pull up for a top of the key three before anybody gets down the court and, and stuff like that. And he, that frustrates you and it kind of negates some of the good things he does. I, I think as a rotational piece off the bench, I, I think he's fine. Um, I think he is a solid bench piece, but I, I don't think he's a starter. I yeah. mean, he's not, not at this point. And I don't know if he's a guy that's going to get significantly better. Cause I don't think the defensive thing, I don't, I don't think that's something that's going to improve much. Um, he's not a guy. I don't think that's going to put on, a whole lot of weight, and I think if he did, I think that would change his game a little bit. Maybe for the negative on the offensive side as well, before as some of the other things that he does. So, uh, I mean, he had a good game tonight. Like I said, he was hitting threes, especially in that first half. Uh, was really keeping them in the game, helping them stay in the game offensively uh, when early in the game when they were kind of cooking. Uh, so, I mean, that's what you get for Sonny. I mean, he's going to have these nights where he explodes offensively, but he's going to give up some points on the defensive end. But again, I think in a situation that they're in now, man, you, you, you're going to play him. I mean, he's one of your better players. He's in the top three or four players that you have right now. So he's going to play. Uh, so there's not much that you can say about that. Now I'm, I'm not opposed to moving him in a package if it depends on what you're going out and getting, but I mean, he he's a solid player. I've, I've criticized him at times because it's just, it's so Jekyll and Hyde because he does good things, but he also does bad things. But for, for right now, man, I think, that's one of your better players, man. So he's going to be out there. Had sixteen points, hit five threes tonight, man. So not a lot to complain about from from him this evening. Yeah,
1: yeah man. I mean, today, 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 take David Roddy off the court. he's always going to look fine to me. Uh, speaking of hiding, hiding, That's too hiding, Jekyll who and is David Roddy. That's hundred <laughs> percent who that I, I, is. I, I
2: read out this earlier, man. There are times where I'm I'm literally in pain when he touches the basketball. Like as soon as he gets the ball, I'm like. Like, please, this, this is just gonna be a disaster. Whatever he does, is gonna be something negative. he's, he's gonna break a three, he's gonna go one on three and miss at the rim, or he's gonna turn the ball over. Something negative is gonna happen most of the time where he has the ball and then he'll have these other moments where he'll go off on like a eight or run. Everybody's like, There you say, see, I told you he's good and then he goes right back to doing all this bad stuff. I mean, it's just just pisses me off, man, with with him.
1: Yeah. I've been really interested to either, see but
0: you said what? I'd be interested to see like where he ranks his turnover percentage versus usage in the NBA. I don't. I I could pull that up. I'll look it up a little bit later. But you know he he turns the ball over a ton, a ton. Yeah. and that that is yeah. you know he had four turnovers tonight, and it shows on the season he's only averaging one. But I think that if you, he tries to do too much. Yeah. Like if you go back, if you separate that the the calendar from when he started playing big minutes, like that those numbers are gonna go up. Obviously, more more minutes equals more usage. <laughs> but when you're not a primary ball handler, man, there's, no, there's cool. no reason for him to have four turnovers, man. Like, you know, Jaron had three and Jaron far more usage than him. Um, you know, Scotty Pippen Jr., a guy that was running the offense the majority of the night, he had three. Again, earlier I really said I'd like to see him clean that up. That's too many turnovers.
1: But he got three steals.
0: Right? Yeah, yeah. he got three steals like and, he, a block, and a block. Yeah, so he, he made up for it. And, and Rod, Roddy didn't. He rebounded the ball well. That's a, you. You need somebody. We we talked about the, the shortcomings of Jerry. And so having guys that can rebound with San, uh, Santi and and Roddy, that's a plus. But the, the numbers are the numbers, and he was a negative 19, the worst on the team. And that's not a coincidence.
2: I about that earlier.
0: Like, we, we, we have discussed it on this show a number of times how the plus minus doesn't always tell the story. Yeah,
2: sometimes it but does. But o- well.
0: over the course of a season, if a player is a net negative player over the course of the season, that's telling the story. And I guarantee you over the course of the season – David Roddy's been a net-negative player. And, and you, can, you can contribute that to the record and the state of the roster, but if you isolate it to the games where he was playing the bench role that he's designed to play, he's still going to be a net-negative player. And that's something you hope that with this year, the run that he's getting, you're going to see him figure it out and be able to be a contributing piece. Uh, but he, he's got a long way to go for sure.
2: And I was going to say, especially when you look at how different that is. I think the next worst guy is X at negative eight, and he's minus 19. I'm saying he's way worse than double, over double worse than anybody else on the team. But there are certain ways that you can look at it that you can tell, yeah, that that's not a coincidence that he was a negative 19. He, because it, a lot of people, I had people tweeting me saying, oh, well, he played well tonight. He rebounded basketball, almost had a double double. And I was like, man, he's a negative 19. You look at these plus minus how much different he is than the rest of the team that lets you know that he was in his minutes they were losing the game pretty bad like he did some negative stuff out there And it is just the turnovers the the iso stuff i mean he swears he's an iso scorer and i don't know who told him that he is and taylor jenkins i guess it's more so that taylor jenkins had not told him that he's not i think that's (laughs) the the problem with it but yeah man i mean negative 19 that's that's pretty rough, especially when, like you said, he almost had a double double, and you're still a negative 19.
1: Yeah, well, well, Pippen did have negative 13, so it's still, okay. still far yeah, away, yeah. It's still, the, still a negative. But, but yeah, I think, I think it's also the defense. Like I said, that I, I, there are just times where he just gets, he loses man too often. Like, all the time, the rotation and the switches, like he gets lost so often, and you, you kind of hope that that. Wears off, you know, when he was a rookie, you, you hope that he got the sense for it, but he just, he, even if he's not losing his man, he's sagging so far off his man that there's no chance you know of he's going to give up the three pointer on principle because you're sagging into the pain, which hey, I understand he's kind of a rebounding mindset guy on a team where we don't have that much, but dude, get your man. Like, yeah, he, he's, he's always leaving his man way, going towards the basket. Yeah, you don't have a wingspan to just be in the paint and then take one step and contest the shot. That's not how it works. Uh so a lot of times it's the ISO stuff, it's the, it's the turnovers, but more than anything, I think it's just the defense.
0: Yeah. It, the, the team defense is three and a half points better with him off of the floor. Yeah. So like that, that is you you can make arguments about some of the stuff that he because he does do some good stuff. Yes. There are some things that he does, and rebounding is something that he does well. There are some things that he does on the offensive end that are pluses, but the the stuff on the defensive end, I think, right now, the the turnovers on the offensive end would be a big thing for me. But even even that, he he is not making that. It, there's point six, so it's less than a point difference. Uh, the the offense is worse with him on the floor by 0. 0.6. so that's not that bad, right? Like you would you would hope that that would be neutral or positive, but that's not awful. But the three point swing on the defensive end is pretty rough. So you know, taking care of the ball more on the offensive end of the floor, but specifically what you were saying about losing his man, I, I don't know if you. I, I see him ball watching a lot, yeah, and I, and I think that that's how he ends up losing his man. The, somebody on this coaching staff goes over film with him. I'm sure of it. I, I don't know how he hasn't corrected that. And if you can't coach that out of him, that's a little bit scary. It's, if you can't coach it out of him, can he be a rotation player moving forward? And for this year, the answer is going to be yes. But for the future, I don't know. I don't know that you're winning playoff games if he's out there ball-watching and losing his man. Yeah, it's like he's, almost, he's more so
2: looking to rebound than he is to guard. Yes, Because he'll, he'll just sag off and just ease on toward the paint. And the guy will be wide open for three. He, he does it time and time again. Um, and that's just something that, and like David said, I mean, I know they see this in film because it's something he does almost every time. So I, I don't know how. I, I know they've talked to him about this, or at least you hope they have. Uh, I mean, and he still continues to do it.
1: But, I mean, we'll, we'll see. We'll see so what happens. Is, you know, even if he doesn't get the, the three-pointer himself, it's swing, 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 all the rotations. Yeah, because they're trying to recover for him. And now it's still a wide open three. So either way, man, I think that I think that's what really hurts him because I've seen a lot of times where it's not him directly giving up the three, but because he lost his man, everybody's yeah. scrambling now on defense and it messed up the whole the whole defensive scheme. Whereas I think they've gotten a lot better. And I will go ahead and give Jenkins a shout-out for this. We've gotten a lot better. At defending the three, Uh, you see a lot more closeouts consistently. Not seeing nearly as many guys wide open. They've been intentional about at least closing out, and I think it's made a big difference. Um, So shout out to him for that. It's random, but just thought about it when we're talking about Dave Roddy. Right,
0: playing that new new defensive scheme of, of drop defense
2: at the two. I mean, they do it. They do it every year. Like they start off the season first few months terrible and they get better at defending the three as the season goes on tape delay. Like I, I, I don't understand. Like you, you correct it in the second half of the season. So why don't you carry that over into the next season? I, I, I don't get it.
1: Close out to work. Who would have known? Who <laughs> yeah.
2: Close out on shooters. They, they, they won't, they won't shoot as well. Give them warm up shots. They're going to make them. Who knew? <laughs> yeah.
0: it, it's not that uncommon for teams to improve as the season go, goes along, you know, like you, you look in football, some of the teams in the first you know first few weeks of the season kind of struggle with certain things, and then they figure it out as the season goes along. So I, they, I, that is, they, I,
2: I don't I just don't know why, but if you you figured it out, I don't know because it it almost feels like it doesn't feel like it's just guys not doing what they're supposed to do in the beginning of the season. It almost feel like it's a scheme that's what they're trying to do. They're right. trying to guard the paint and not guard the perimeter. And then they decide all after three months, oh, this doesn't work. So we got to go back to this. But they do it every year. I don't know. It's just, it's a weird, weird dynamic. I don't know. I don't know why it takes you three or four months to decide that you need to guard the perimeter. It's just weird to me.
0: Yeah, it is. It's not important. No, we don't have to do that. It's good. <laughs> all right. I think uh, Gigi is really the only person we had not talked about in this game. Uh, four for 14 from the field, three for 10 from three. Uh, north of 30 minutes, I like seeing that. He knocked down his only free throw, six rebounds, two assists, had two turnovers, a steal, 12 points, uh, and he was a net neutral, not a positive or a negative <laughs> on tonight's game. That This is one of the three things that I, sa- I I wanted to see his minutes go up, the usage go up, the fact that he took 14 shots tonight, I like it. They didn't fall for him, you know, but when you go out there, as a 19-year-old, you're going to see inconsistencies from him. So I don't really have a problem with, with the way that he played the game tonight. Obviously, would love to have seen more of those shots go down. And if they did, the the final score of this game probably is leading to a, a Grizzlies win. But some of that's defensive scheme. Some of that is just, you know, you're not going to knock them down every single night. How did you guys feel about GD's performance tonight?
1: Yeah, for, for a guy who still – did not have a good game. Still had a good game, man. I love, I, I love it. I mean, you still get 12 points uh, to assist and, and you, you know, still show a lot of positive things. You know, still – I think he does a really good job of small things, navigating screens pretty well. I was impressed with his ability to do that pretty well on defensive end to just detour uh, to, to some shots with his length. I, I think he just sort of naturally – looks good out there. I mean, not just on the offensive end, we know that, but the defensive end, I continue to like some of the small things I see and you see mess ups and mistakes and things like that from time to time with him. He's a rookie, obviously, but just loving what I'm seeing from him overall. Uh, He really struggled all that first half. He was really given a short leash by, by tell Jenkins. He wasn't given a lot of minutes uh, because he wasn't playing well. And second half, uh, he bounced back from that. That's a huge thing, I think, for for young guys. As young as he is being put in these situations, to not get down on yourself, to not lose your confidence when you're given an opportunity to just, to just come back out and sort of, you know, a few shots started falling from him. He found a little bit of a rhythm, and I think overall was, like said, a net neutral for him. When, in a game when almost everybody else was negative, you know, <laughs> he was at least a net neutral, which I think is extremely encouraging. So he, I think he struggles – against teams who have length he needs to figure out how to navigate um some of those situations which is obviously under completely understandable I and mean, as young as he is uh I think he needs these reps to try to figure those things out and that's why I said I like how he sort of adjusted a little bit uh, now some some of it was he was given a couple easier looks I think more in the second half than the first but you know you still just want to see see those see those progression marks um so shout out gg man I think you'll have another game it's like it's like even his floor, right, is still double-digit scoring points. And I don't think you can ask for more from a rookie. I anticipate his next game, he probably get probably get maybe 20 points again. I mean, because that's kind of how he goes. Most of his bad games, his other only bad game, I think, was against the Timberwolves. He didn't get double digits in that. But, again, another 10 sort of long and kind of bother him in their play style. But uh, I think he gets – you know 20 plus points in the next game which is you know this being his low is is it really really promising stuff man it's like when john has his bad games on, it's like still 17 points it's really you know it, it lets you know the ceiling on this guy is super high
2: yeah man um even though he's struggling from the floor tonight 414 from the field uh 3 of 10 from 3 uh, he just does a lot of High IQ stuff, or even uh, especially for a guy his age, Mm -hmm. he just does a lot of positive things. Just is in the right spot. Just just does a lot of lot of things. I think in the defensive end, he's I think been a lot better than than advertised, especially this early. I think the instincts are there. Um, Like I said, that goes back to the IQ stuff. And still, even though he struggled, still ended up with twelve points, gave you six rebounds, two -hmm. assists, a steal, and I think played much better in the second half. A lot of that struggle was in the first half, and as you said, with those numbers, 414 from the field, still end up a net neutral um in a game that you lose by nine points. So that right there lets you know that he was doing some positive things out there. Um and probably on the defensive end and also grabbed six rebounds. So I mean he it's a learning experience for him. I don't like he's three or three and from three. I don't mind him getting 10 three point shots up. Yeah. Uh this is development time. I want him shooting those shots to to get better. Uh, because I think out of the guys that are developing, I think he's paramount and the most important of those young guys that they have right now. Cause I think he has a, a bright future with this team. So I don't mind, man, put, put those shots up, especially if they're within the offense.
0: I think his, the way that he has propelled himself because of the way that this season has gone down. I think that that it makes this offseason tough for them because do you move away from Aldama? Is he a guy that is going to replace Aldama in the rotation? Or do you hold on now? I know you still got him under contract. I think – I want to say Aldama's still under contract for two more years after this. So it's not like you you have to get rid of him. But right now, Aldama is a valuable piece. He he is something that other teams would covet. So you're looking at minutes – and, and where, where do you give them to Gigi? Is Gigi a guy that you're going to play on the floor with Santi Aldama? Or is he kind of the the replacement? And, you know, rebounding-wise, he's doing uh, about as well as Aldama is pulling down boards. Yeah, I think maybe you give the edge to Aldama, but if you give Gigi Jackson two years in an NBA weight room, I think that that advantage is going to go to him. And I've said for a long time the the feel for the game and basketball IQ are things that can improve over time, but it's also one of those things either a guy has it or he doesn't. And it's clear to see that Gigi Jackson is one that has the the high level basketball IQ and the feel for the game, just like Isaac said, you you always see him finding himself in the right place, and I don't think that's by accident. No,
2: not at all. And if you had listened to scouting reports and stuff on him, you wouldn't, wouldn't have thought that was the case. Uh, but I kind of looked through some of that stuff because I, I knew how terrible that situation was in South Carolina last year. And he was 17 years old coming in and asked to be the leader of that program. Like I'm saying, they had nothing. It was all on his shoulders to do everything on the offensive end for that team. And so the, the efficiency numbers going to inefficiency was going to be there because he was, the guy that opposing defense was going to key in on, he was the one that was going to take all the, the tough shots. He was the one last second on the shot clock. He was the one that was going to be forced to pull up a shot. I mean, so the inefficiency numbers wouldn't be there. That was understandable. But if you watched his game, there was a lot of stuff that you could see. Like me and David both talked about the, the, the one-on-one ability uh, of, of getting his shot and getting to his spots that we saw. And, I mean, for a guy his age, it was elite. Uh, some of the stuff that you saw on film from him in South Carolina. So I'm not really surprised about that. I know a lot of people might be because you look in, you read those scout reports and they would have made you think this was just this young kid that didn't really get it. They were saying he was uncoachable. And from everything that you hear from the Grizzlies, that's a bit of positive for him about how coachable he is. So the, the people that had those negative scout reports, man, I think they're going to be, be wrong on this kid, man, because he seems to be soaking it all in, uh, going out there trying to take the, the big advantage of his minutes and just trying to learn, listen to him talk. He's just trying to learn everything he can. And I think that's the reason why I believe that he's going to be a really good player in this league, because already for at this very young age, he seems to want to be great and want to take the the coaching and, and get to where he, where, where he can get to with his potential. Uh, so I'm, I'm really excited about his future. And I mean, the flashes that you see right now, man, it's, it's really positive about uh, you love because coming in this early. I mean, mid season rookie been playing down in the G league and came in and had two 20 point games. And again, I don't think it was fluky type stuff. Like a lot of times, sometimes you have guys come in and you banged up and you don't have many players. And they're getting minutes and they put up 20 points. You're thinking, oh, well, that's a fluke. He's not, he couldn't really do that. If there were other guys on the floor, I don't necessarily think that's the case with him. I think even if you put him out there with other guys, he might not have 20 because he might not have that many attempts but I think he could have double-digit numbers even if he was out there playing with Josh, uh, Jared, and Tripp, and, and Bane. I mean, I think he could still be a guy that fit in and he would still do some positive things out there. So I'm just really excited about his future, man. I'm glad that he was able, not necessarily that they got the injuries, but if there's a positive out of having all these injuries, I think it's him and some of these young guys really getting minutes that they otherwise wouldn't have gotten.
0: Didn't he get twenty on like eight field goal attempts the other night?
2: Yeah, man, and he was doing it from all three facets. I mean, get to the free throw line, he's doing it at the at the, at the cup, he's doing it at the perimeter, and that's what what I why I say it's real because he's a three level scorer. I mean, he's getting it done in different ways. It wasn't just oh, he hit, he got hot and hit five three pointers and ended up scoring twenty points. It it wasn't that he was he was doing it all all the way around, man. And even the defensive stuff, which was supposed to be a negative, that hasn't even been a negative. For the most part, so yeah, man, he 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 did it in different ways. So I'm I think it's sustainable.
0: I was talking with uh, a longtime college coach the other day, and we, we were discussing a, a player that he has on his team, and he was talking about uh, she she transferred in, and he said that some of the the things that he was hearing about this player is that they were hard to coach and when he got there like when when the player got there and he's coaching this player said this player has an extremely high basketball IQ and i think this player was smarter than the coaches where they were at and so they when they realized when the player realized that they were smarter than the coaches around them they kind of lost respect for them not that you can't learn from those people But I I wonder if that wasn't the case for Gigi, if, you know, like the stuff that we're seeing now shows me that he does have the high basketball IQ. And like Isaac said, it was not something that was, you know, you go back and you read scouting reports on him. That was not a plus that that you heard, but the stuff that we're, we're watching day in and day out with the Grizzlies speaks to it otherwise. And so was it, Something where he got to South Carolina, and the this could it's going to kind of come across as as maybe it was an arrogant thing for him, but you know if you get there and you're seeing stuff that the coaches are are not seeing and those coaches are not being receptive to that. Number one, the coach is not doing their job. If you got a player that can see stuff that you're not seeing, they're out there on the floor listen to him. you know there um there was an interview with Ja morant's college coach at murray and he was talking about in timeouts there would be times that ja would tell yeah. him like hey ja if we be- if we do this They're doing this, and this is going to be open every single time. And he would listen to him about it because you're not always going to be the smartest person in the room. There's going to be somebody that sees something differently. And and I don't know, this is absolute speculation on my part, but maybe that's a reason that, you know, the, the hard to coach or uncoachable stuff that we heard about Gigi at South Carolina was him having that high basketball IQ when he got there And there wasn't anybody there that had the knowledge to be able to challenge him, to push him, to get him to the next level.
2: Yeah, There was a situation uh, that happened where he blew up on the sideline um, and, and he talked about that. He apologized for it afterwards and he said it, but it was all rooted in winning. He was complaining about not getting the basketball and he said that it wasn't about being selfish. It was just he felt like putting the basketball in his hands was the best opportunity they had to win the game and they weren't giving him the basketball. They were going away from him, I guess, and drawing up plays for other guys and they were losing games and he just got frustrated with it. And I can, in certain situations, I can understand that if you're far and superior to better player, um uh, than, than your teammates. And that's, again, that's not necessarily being arrogant, uh, arrogant. Sometimes it's just the truth and, and you're losing basketball games. You're like, man, if I had taken that shot, maybe we would have won that game. And I can, and I can see that, Building up over time, and you getting upset about it. And he said that's what happened. And he said it came off to a lot of people like he was being selfish, and he was just complaining about him not getting the ball and not getting his shots up. He said he just wanted to win, and he felt like in a lot of those situations where they were going to other guys, he felt like it would have been better if they put the basketball in his hands. And I think I think that is a lot of what you saw there in South Carolina with him. And I think it's even though if you watch them now, I think that proves that he was probably telling the truth about what he was saying and he didn't mean it it wasn't coming from that type of place
1: yep 100
0: agree well we're gonna go ahead and, and and get ready to wrap it up here canis you've been quiet for a little bit here do you got anything you want to add
1: before you get out of here no no i think uh i think we pretty much all that you could say is i mean it's not a lot of players to get into and talk about today. <laughs> so, <laughs> we only had eight of them. Only yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not a not a not a ton of analysis there. But you like what you see from the team. You know, continue to be competitive. I think, uh, like like we pointed out, like to see some of the bright spots from from the team overall. And that was a game they really weren't supposed to be in. I was sort of bracing myself to cover my eyes and all the horror um, when they mm-hmm. got on that out of that on that floor man. But competitive the whole way through, really. Uh, won, I think most of the minutes in just in terms of basketball minutes, but you know, in the end, obviously the talent won out. And honestly, I, I feel like they still, you know, a couple adjustments here and there still could have won that game. You can't ask for much more with the roster that they had out there to still be in that game and still just have a couple of things go wrong or not go their way for for to the, for them to win that for them to lose that game. Same thing with the Pacers game before, uh, just you know, a couple things here and there. Don't go their way. It's a small margin of error. We're talking about that big of a talent gap anyway, so you really have to perform perfectly in order for everything to be pulled off in past couple games that haven't been able to do it. But that's not anything that you're mad about at all because I, I think ultimately uh, they'll be better for it.
2: Yeah, I was like, going to
1: say – I'll go ahead, again No, I'm just saying at least the players. We all know about the coaches, but at least the players <laughs> will be better off for
2: it. Yeah. I was going to say real quick, um, on the – to tank or not to tank thing and thinking about the, the lottery pick and, and all that kind of stuff. I, I think the Grizzlies are in a good spot because they're kind of in this spot where I think the lowest possible, even if they just tanked out would, would probably be fifth The defense behind Portland. And even that would be hard because they're already a significant amount of games ahead of them in Portland. is probably going to get leaner and leaner and start losing even more games than they already have, because they're going to be taking down the stretch. So, and their ceiling is probably eight or nine. And they're they're like in seventh, I think the seventh lottery spot right now. So even if they lose games or they win, they're not really going to change their lottery position, but so they can, they can just go out there with a free mind, man, like they're doing and just try to continue to win games because even they're going to lose some games organically just because being shorthanded, the talent gap, like you saw tonight, even when they play hard and they're going to win some games because they play so hard, but, don't don't get hung up on the wins or losses. I see some people like, oh, they're winning too many games. all oh, they're losing too many games or whatever on both sides of the spectrum. It really doesn't really matter because where they are, they're kind of locked into a, a small box of where they're going to move. They're not going to get up to, like, the, the bottom four, where they have bottom four lottery, the top four lottery odds, I mean. And they're not also not going to fall into the end of the lottery. So they're going to be right there in the middle. And most of those picks, the, the percentage chance of you moving up in the top four a minimal difference in between those kind of three or four picks where they could land at, So I I think they're in a good spot there. There's no reason to even kind of even worry about that at this point.
0: And we've seen from the history of the lottery, you don't have to be in the bottom four in order to get lucky and and move up. You know, when they got driving around, they weren't weren't there, you know? (laughs) So it's just, it's one of those things. I'll be honest. I've seen enough draft picks. Like if they make that pick fine, if they don't make that pick, I'm, I'm good with it. I, I would love to see them use that and and package that together with something else to go out and and get a veteran that would help this team, uh, not necessarily a veteran starter, um, you know, somebody that can come off of the bench, a uh, uh, Bruce Brown, uh, Gary Trent Jr. There are a number of different guys out there that, that I like. I didn't mention a big don't shoot Candace. <laughs> um, like, you know, I, I know a big is a need, but, like, th- th- there, there there are people out there that are available, and I feel like depending on where that pick falls, that's going to, to kind of change the value of the pick. But I, I think finding pieces that are going to round this roster out to put them in a better place to win a championship, it, it's the way to go. And so if you feel like you get up there and you have pick number six, you're on the clock and the the best uh, piece out there in order for you to win a championship happens to be uh, a big man that you're going to draft or a wing for wing depth for scoring off the bench or a guard or whatever it may be, then make that pick. But for me, I, I just hope to see them use this pick to get a vet and try to win championships. That's it. So we appreciate you guys tuning in. The show is on Twitter or the X app at Ethos Grizzlies. I'm at NBA D Will21.
1: You find me at Candace H901. Isaac, take us home.
2: Yeah, man. Uh Grizzlies with a couple a couple days off here. And they got the rare home back to back. Uh Cleveland on Thursday night, uh at seven o'clock, and then back on the home floor again on Friday night against the Warriors, man. That's always fun anytime the warriors come in here man you definitely want to get a get a win against them that's always fun uh, so be on the lookout for that we'll probably do a double um a- after those games we won't do one probably won't do one on thursday night David will be at the game so we'll kind of do a double on friday night or saturday uh, kind of discuss both of those games so be on the lookout for that and eat those grizzlies go over there and give us a like and a follow you can find me on the x app at Isaac double underscore nba uh, thanks everybody for tuning in we'll talk to you this weekend we